Hello, and welcome to the third season of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. You know how thankful I am that you're here. Today's title will probably make everyone think of the same person. You just can't hear the words death, burial, and resurrection without thinking about Jesus and the change that he undertook in the first century that changed everything for everyone. And I do want you thinking about Jesus today, in a little while, and actually yourself. I feel very confident in saying to you that the idea of dying to one life, having a significant transition moment, and being reborn to something new should have profound impact in the life you're living, in your baptism, of course, but maybe in some other ways as well. But before we get into two things that I genuinely love talking about, Jesus and baptism, I want to first talk to you about something else that I love a lot, marriage. Specifically, a marriage that took place this year on January the 3rd. I've probably mentioned it to you already, but that was the day that my daughter, my oldest child, got married. Hannah was 19, Brayden was 20, they were about to make this life-changing decision, and we were just praying fervently that they understood the importance of the decision they were making. In truth, of course, Summer and I did not have a lot of room to complain about their age, as I was 18 and she was 19 when we got married. But still, and maybe you know this, nothing prepares you for watching your oldest child get married, not even your own history and life experiences. So there we were on a beautiful Monday afternoon, January the 3rd of this new year, about to see our daughter, Hannah and Brayden, unite themselves for, Lord willing, the rest of their lives. We had some questions on how it was going to go, emotionally that is, like could we all hold it together or would it become a hysterical, laughing-slash-crying fest. And we had a legitimate reason to suspect that, because the night before, the rehearsals, well, they did not go well. Three times I walked her down the aisle in practice, where I was asked to give her away, and then I would take my position to preach. She had asked me to do that. And yet all three times when I got down to the front, Summer was standing right in front of us, My wife, Summer, was the matron of honor, so she was right there. And every time we would stop, she would start crying, and then we would all start crying, and then we were laughing about it and couldn't stop laughing or crying, and it was kind of a disaster. So going into the wedding day, we were all excited and happy about it, but we had no clue how it was going to go. Add to that the fact that I did not know what I was going to say. I preached dozens of weddings. I have gobs of notes and structured ideas and bullet points, and yet none of that felt right for this. 
That morning on the way to the venue, I was still thinking about it. All I had in my pocket were the vows. You know, that stuff you say at the end that has to be said and repeated in a certain way. But in terms of the, quote, sermon, I really didn't know which way we were going to go. I had a few ideas floating around and maybe a panic backup plan, but for the most part, I was not 100% sure. So then we're there. The moment has come, the music has started, and we're walking down the aisle. And the good news is we get there and Summer starts to cry a little bit, but she holds it together And I'm asked to give Hannah away, and I do so, and a prayer is offered, and then I take my place beside my bride as I prepare to unite my firstborn child in marriage. And it was like in that moment, it became crystal clear exactly what to say. And I would like to take the next few minutes sharing that with you, and hopefully you'll see the value of the marriage backdrop as we do talk about death, burial, and resurrection, and Jesus, and baptism, and marriage, and you. So I can't remember if I actually said it or not, but what I was thinking when I first started to speak to them is that this would be the second most important decision each of them ever made in their entire life. The most important decision was to become a Christian to be baptized from one life into another. So that was my starting point. I told them about death, burial, and resurrection. We first learn about that through the life of Jesus. He was here, alive, on this earth, no doubt happy and fulfilled and enjoying parts of it, but that life was not his true purpose. That life rendered him stuck in unfulfilled potential. Seeing that that life did not fully glorify God, he chose to die and to be buried in a tomb for three days. This was a significant, undeniable event. Everyone in and around Jerusalem saw him give up that first life and watched that stone be rolled in front of the grave and the guards placed there to protect the body. The burial was a definitive moment, but not a definitive end, as his adversaries thought, only a moment of transition. Because on the first day of the week, he was raised from the dead, resurrected to a new life, Jesus was the same person as before, but his life had changed. He gave up one way of living for another. He became more of what God wanted him to be. He began to fulfill his true purpose and glorify God to the best of his ability. In the case of Jesus, this meant taking on roles and responsibilities. Before his death and burial, He was a good man working miracles, teaching about the kingdom, and doing carpentry work. But now, he was to be a king. He was to be a high priest. He was to become a servant of his people for all eternity. And he chose that new life with us. 
I told Braden and Hannah that day that in much the same way and in direct connection to Christ, that is what happened the moment each of them was baptized. Before baptism, they were both alive. They were living their lives. They were teenagers. They were doing some good things, some not so good things, just moving along. But at some point, they realized that that life, apart from God, was not their purpose. And more than that, they would need to die to this life that they are living apart from God, with its ups and its downs, to enter into something new. But that would require a significant, visible, undeniable moment of transition that they would never forget. And that was baptism. I wouldn't call immersion in water symbolic. It is a physical thing that has spiritual ramifications, but what it is is an actual moment in time where you go from one life to another. And when you come up out of that water, you're wet, and people see you, and there is rejoicing, and one life is gone, and something new starts in that moment. But baptism was just the moment of transition. I told them on that afternoon, as important as it was, the most important part about it is that you began something else after it. You entered into a new life. You were raised up with Christ. Because of sin before, you were dead in sin and you were separated from Christ. You chose to be baptized so that you could be raised up, united with him. And now you have a new life, a fellowship with God. Would it have its challenges? Of course. And really, becoming a Christian is adding responsibility to your life. You add new roles, like now I am a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. Now I am a priest. Now I am a servant. I am a church member. I am a part of a body. I have a function. But we chose that. We embraced the challenges and responsibilities because of the new life that was created, where we truly can fulfill our purpose as servants of God, and we can glorify Him to the fullest. So at that point, I turned my attention directly to the two of them and said, in many ways, that is what the moment of marriage is, the wedding day. It's like baptism. It's even like Jesus in the grave. It's this significant, undeniable, noted, remembered event. She is in a gorgeous dress. He is in his favorite cowboy hat. We have a hundred of our most integral friends gathered there. There will be a plethora of photos, but a wedding is a moment that represents a transition. Before you were married, you were living your life separate from one another, making the most of it, enjoying parts, struggling through others. But you decided to end that life. I'm finished with a life separated from this person. I will take my vows today. In this wedding, I will agree to unite myself with them in this significant moment. But after this moment, you are raised to a new life. You come out of that grave after having died to one thing. You are now born into another. And of course, at that point, I reminded them that there are new roles in play that you've never had before. 
new challenges, new responsibilities, a whole set of sacrifices you've never known. And it's worth every single moment. Just like it's worth it to Jesus to serve anew as our high priest and king, just like it's worth it as a Christian to serve as a church member and a priest and a servant of God. You start something new and you do it together. So look, I don't know how that story hits you today, but there are a few things right there on the surface that I want you to see, and maybe I'll just add one extra thought to the end. First of all, when you think of death, burial, and resurrection, please think of Jesus. God wants Christians to start every first day of every week remembering the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. He underwent a great transition so that he could take on a role for our benefit. And you should think about baptism. If you've heard a lot of verses about baptism in water before, you've been thinking about it, maybe it's something that you did before, but truly it wasn't really a transition. I sometimes argue that we baptize our kids too young. They don't understand the dying to one life in order to embrace another. It's like we're burying them alive or something. Maybe that was your experience. So now, maybe as you think about what that burial in water really is, and I invite you to read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Everything we've said is right there on the page. Maybe that's something you're ready to do. You're tired of living a life separated from God. You need this moment that He commanded, an unforgettable moment, to be buried in that water and raised up to live a new life. Will there be responsibilities? Absolutely. Will it be hard? Maybe even harder than it was before, but it'll be the kind of work that's fulfilling because it's God's purpose for your life and to His glory and for others. But I don't know, I kind of feel like we could look at marriage a little bit also. Would you be willing to take some time today and think about marriage as a death to one life, a life apart? And then marriage, a wedding, an undeniable, unrevocable covenant moment where you traded in one life for another. If you are considering marriage, please talk to your significant other about this. Roles and responsibilities abound in the new life, and yet it's better by God's design than anything you've ever known in this life. And maybe you are married, and you experienced all of that stuff we've talked about, but now, now it just doesn't feel like that anymore. What do you do when the new life together feels old and lonely? Well, a couple of things come to mind. We can't just run back to the life apart that we had before because we, we died to it. We've entered into something new. We chose this walk together knowing it would be hard, but believing that greater fulfillment in life, from glorification of God to raising families to know God to experiencing love were found on this side of that decision. And I believe couples in any form of trouble would do well to sit down and go back to their wedding day and how it felt and what the expectations were and the love that started it all and begin rebuilding from there. 
As I always say and truly believe, by the mercies of God and another, you can start from here. Total fresh start. But in this case, you may need to go back first and remember the passions that brought you into this marriage and use those going forward. Okay, so look, I only have a couple of minutes left, but I'm wondering, is there application of the death, burial, and resurrection transition in your life even beyond Jesus, baptism, and marriage? And I guess I'm really asking a hard question. Is there something in your life right now, some series of choices that you're making, something that you are captured by, some direction that you're heading, and you know it's a dead end? You know it's not making you better. It's easy. It's a fallback position. Maybe it's an addiction. But it does not glorify God and it does not unite you to others. You can live your whole life on that path, and it just ends in death. Or you can choose to die to it today, not in the ending of your life, but in the ending of that walk in those ways. But that's what you've got to do. You have to say, I will not live this life this way any longer. And then there has to be this burial, this moment of change, this transition decision that says, I'm leaving that for something else. It can be something as simple as open confession to the person that you love. It may be something as extreme as quitting a job or moving to another area, but it's like the tomb. It's like baptism. It's like a wedding. It is a remembered distinct, recognized moment of change that you will never forget because you want to live a new life, an entirely different one, one with fellowship, one where you know that you walk with God, one that draws you closer to your spouse and your family and God's people, one that's filled with purpose and direction and glorification of your maker. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. Will there be new responsibilities and service and accountability? Certainly there will be. But it will be a part of something beautiful, something meaningful. And I believe everyone deserves to live a life like that. I know that's why Jesus died and was buried and was raised, so that you could experience a life like that. I pray that you find it, that you found it, and that you're living it and that you never shy away from the transitional power of death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.